0: Raging Cajun Nation to stand up with us, stand up with us, let's lock hand in hand, and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. I love y'all boys, let's grind
2: every day starting today, let's do it, y'all ready? Alarm, alarm, ready! Who's your team ready? Ready. Who's your team ready?
0: Ready. I I got one thing to say right here, Cajun (laughs) win! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rage Review podcast. It is Gerald Paul and myself tonight. Nick is on assignment. We'll call it special assignment. Down in the free state of Florida. Jerry, what's up, man? Not much. Not much. Diamond Sports right around the
3: corner, man. Like, it's literally on the doorstep. Like, honestly, like that. It's, it's ringing the doorbell
0: as we speak. We've done Baseball Fan Day. We've done Softball Fan Day, which were both huge successes. Lots of people showed up. Awesome. Always great. Uh, Everybody looks forward to the spring around here. I mean, let's be honest. We're probably a Diamond uh, diamond Sports School. I think I'm all right Mm -hmm. in saying that, right?
3: Yeah. I don't think I'll make anybody mad. Both teams win consistently. I mean, you can always depend on a successful year. That's it. No pressure to our guests, right?
0: Well, Jerry giving it away there. But yes, tonight we're going to be joined (laughs) by uh, somebody that you have all become uh, very familiar with. Miss Sam Landry, uh, a stalwart in the circle for the 2023 Ragin' Cajun softball team. Uh, we'll be talking to her. Before we do that, we're going to just kind of set the tone and set the stage for everything. Uh, so anyway, let's get into sponsors. Obviously, Gordon McKernan, Injury Attorneys, our fantastic sponsor out of Baton Rouge. They have offices all over the state. Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond. Uh, Guys, remember when you go with G, you get the G guarantee. Gordon will win your case or you don't owe a dime. Nothing at all. Not a fee. Not an expense. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Gordon has been very active in the NIL space, helping athletes promote themselves and their personal brands. They've done a tremendous job with our athletes, Raging Cajun athletes and everybody all over the state. If you need to get in touch with Gordon, 888-532-532. 1573 and that's a toll-free number. You can also get them at getgordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. Also shout out to Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Licensed and insured, locally owned and family operated. Darren Doming, a proud UL alum and RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, uh, and Mr. Doming sits on the the, uh, the board of directors for the uh the BBB. So that's a cool thing. Reminder if you haven't uh, inspected your roof for damage with All the weather we've been having this past couple of years, especially this past year, my Lord, I don't even know how many times I've almost flooded or my roof flown off. Uh, Make sure you guys are inspecting your roof. If you see any signs of water damage, any dark spots, any holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granules in your gutters, uh, persistence of rot, mold or moisture, you want to give Darren and the team a call. They have three different options for financing available, so uh, plenty of options out there to get your job done. They also offer exceptional interior and exterior painting and sheetrock services. That's Darren Doming and the crew over at Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors. Over 10,000 satisfied customers cannot be wrong. Give them a call, 337-237-ROOF. That's 337-237-7663 or visit them on the web at Lafayette-Roofing.com. Don't forget the dash. Patriot Steel Group. Mr. Chris Russo, a friend of the podcast, uh, one of our very first sponsors. I always like to rhyme folks to that. Uh, they want to shout out to all of the RCAF donors. Would like to encourage anybody who is not already a member to please do so if you can. Uh, you want to uh, give Brandon Gallet and Reed Barbier a call, 337 443 92 96 or visit the Patriot steel group LinkedIn page for a lot more information that then I can explain because it's a little bit over our head, but it's a lot of steel. It's tubulars it's pipes. They can do all sorts of things, oil field related. They have over a hundred years of experience combined in the oil field industry, Patriot steel group, big, thanks, big shout out. Softball is starting by the time this episode drops, it'll be within the week, right? So we really want to put a spotlight on the softballers. We know we lose a few players, and we'll talk about this in the interview, but Melissa Mayu goes on, and she's now the actual uh, head softball coach at LCA, which is, I think, a fantastic hire. She actually lived in the neighborhood uh, a couple years ago, and I would pass by her house all the time, and she'd be out there taking taking cuts and just always working on something. So I think LCA got an absolute home run when they hired Melissa to be their head coach, and I think she's going to do great things at LCA. Uh, you lose Rayne O'Neill, who meant a lot to the program over the course of her time here. Um, A big loss from a leadership standpoint, I think, but also offensive production, you know, she was well-known for doing the things that she did at the plate. We'll talk to Sam a little bit more about that, Uh, but the biggest thing that I think will stand out to softball fans in Lafayette is that you return a a core of young players that produced, saw some significant postseason time, really went out and... I know that you want to get past the regional round uh, our expectations are set higher here. At the same time it was a difficult regional. I know Clemson's not a household name in softball, but they really had a strong team. Uh, Auburn was very strong even though, you know we took one of two from them uh, but just just really great experience for these younger players. I think we've got a great nucleus coming back. Uh, Jerry, you feel, you feel like I'm on, on, uh, on point with those those thoughts.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we saw in our softball team last year is that they developed as the season went on. At one point I think they were they had lost like six or seven games and you know, people were kinda of panicking because that early on in the season we're not used to that. And then through conference they just go on a tear and you see these younger players start to develop. You see, you know, the pitching improve, you see the hitting the bats get get hot at the right time and really it was a decent performance at, at the clemson regional even though you know clemson was loaded uh, i thought we performed pretty well like you said you took one out of two from auburn which was is always a big win anytime you beat an sec team and i think that's something to build on in this offseason i heard we had a great fall uh, I know there's a lot of expectation. I know there's a lot of uh, of challenges early on in the season, but it's almost like if you can weather the storm early on, when you get to conference, you can pretty much control your, your own destiny as you develop and get better. So I expect this team to be, a little bit kind of a level up from where they were last season, just because they have that experience and I'm really excited about it. I really think this team can, can be dangerous, but it's going to be fun watching them develop early on in the season because they will be challenged, uh, you know, starting with game one, especially that, that Clearwater tournament. So um, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's going to be a good season.
0: Schedule is interesting early on, especially out of conference, you know, and we'll talk about that more again with uh, with Sam. And then also we'll have Mr. Bobby. Bobby Nava is going to come in and, and talk to some softball with us after that. Uh, I, I do want to say this. We're entering into Glasgow year number five. Six. It
3: was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So, I mean, if you want to count 20,
0: uh, and you know, yeah, all right, we'll say six. All right. Good enough. Okay. Six year for Glasgow. Right. He's got his fingerprints all over this thing. This is his team. This is his roster. It's made in his mold, right? Like like Robe used to say, it's it's this is this is what we want to look like as a softball team. Uh, he he wants to play defense. He wants to pitch, and he wants to get timely hitting. He wants to win that way. I think that you you really get a sense of what he's trying to accomplish at this program in 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 year six. I think that uh, we're past uh, recruiting classes. We turned some things over. You know, COVID's behind us. Obviously, all the transition that happened with our previous coach, all that stuff is it's long gone now. We pretty much know what we can expect from Coach Glasgow and what he wants to do on the field. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Same, I'm more curious to see. Again, one thing that Coach
3: Glasgow has done is he he loads the schedule early on in the year and he plays those those bigger programs just to see how well we 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 fare up. And a lot of times, I find that we we compete. That's what that's you know, and and I know again. You know, even if we drop a game or two, there's so many games to be played. Uh, it's just a matter of how you develop and how you how do you continue to get better as the season goes on? Because, again, our conference now, granted, this year it's different because we added those four new new members. But, you know, a lot of times we I hate to say it, but I look at the 2019 season as an example. You finish the season forty seven and four because your conference was that great and you have to go to Oxford. You have to go play in the Oxford Regional. You're not able to host. I would rather be challenged early on and play the tough teams early on. So when you get a conference, and I don't think the conference is going to be that weak this year, but if it does, you'll have some experience. You'll have your feet wet being challenged all throughout the season to where, who knows, we take care of business. We... They may be a regional coming to Lampson Park come 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 late May, early June. so no I, I think coach Glasgow has the roster he wants I mean the recruiting classes have been outstanding the last three seasons so he's definitely molded the team in his image and now it's just a matter of going out there and see just going out there to perform and seeing what they
0: can do. Well, strength of schedule is not going to be a question. Uh, We have plenty of strength on the schedule. Look, Uh, yes, from a conference standpoint, you add a James Madison. uh, We all know what to expect out of a program like that. So that already it it adds a a layer of uh, a difficulty to the to the conference uh, schedule. But the out of conference, you know, again, we'll get into this later. But there's plenty of of teams. There, there, there's a a resume building uh, potential here, and that's what's most important to us, especially when you think about early in the season. You want to get seasoned for that. You know, seasoned you want the team to be seasoned for when we make that run later in the year and into the postseason that's when you want to be peaking and playing your best softball Uh, say all that to kind of lay the groundwork for miss sam landry sam we really appreciate your time thank you so much for joining us this is the first time we've had a softball player on so it's a a thrill for us and uh really appreciate your time thanks for coming on the rage review
2: good thank y'all for having me
0: So I'm just going to let everybody know, Sam is a true sophomore this year. She was a true freshman last year. Got quite a bit of playing time, and I'll give some stats and kind of just to remind anybody that wasn't paying too close of attention. In 2022, Sam pitched 117.1 innings. She won 20 games, lost three. She finished the season with an ERA of 2.15, had six complete games, three shutouts, 145 strikeouts. Opponents batted only 186 against her, and her fielding percentage in the circle was 972. That's a pretty good season for a true freshman, uh, making the move from high school to D1. What what was it like to, to kind of just make that jump? Go from high school where you were very accomplished and obviously had a ton of success. Uh, extra Innings said that you were the number four prospect in all of the country. It might be one of the best recruits we ever signed at this program. So what was it like? Uh, talk to us about the recruiting process first.
2: Thank you, first of all. So I started my recruiting process probably in seventh, eighth grade. I committed here my freshman year. Coach Glasgow has always been one of my favorite coaches. Just like a funny story behind him. I met him when I was in like sixth grade. It was like for a hitting camp. And he was actually hosting this hitting camp the day after he had a surgery on his throat. So like I fell in love with him after that, just like to see his dedication to the game and how how much he just loves being around softball so the recruiting process for me was actually it was pretty easy kind of just like emailed coaches like hey i'm playing here like would love to have you out i went to quite a few camps i mainly showed a lot of interest in like schools around texas and louisiana just because i'm a big family person i didn't want to go too far from home um but so when coach glasgow actually got to ul i I was like emailing him right away. I was like, Hey coach Glasgow, like I'm playing here this weekend, please come out. Um, But yeah, it was great. Um, So I committed here freshman year and I finally got here last year, which was an amazing experience.
0: Let me ask you this. When, when, you know, this is something that we've been seeing a lot lately. Commitments coming younger in the high school uh, career, you know, so to speak. So you 13, 14 year old freshmen, they're starting to commit to D1 programs. What is a relationship like between a player and a Division One coach? Do you do you have a lot of communication? Do they kind of get to know your parents? Do they come out and see you often? What is that like? I've always been fascinated by that.
2: Through NCAA rules, you are actually the rule actually changed right after I committed here. High schoolers are no longer allowed to commit to a college until September first of their junior year. So you also can't talk to college coaches until September 1st year, your junior year. You can email them, but they can't email you back. Um, You can text them, they can't text you back. And you're not really supposed to talk to them outside of like a campus setting. So uh, when I committed, I had a little bit of contact with Coach Glasgow because the rule hadn't changed just yet. But after that, I wasn't allowed to talk to him until my junior year. And once we were able to start talking, me and Coach Glasgow actually got very close. Um, He loves my family. My little sisters adore him. I have four sisters. My twin little sisters both adore him. So, uh, yeah, being able to communicate once you can really, I think, builds that friendship between a coach and a player.
0: That's very interesting. And I just want to give a little more context. So you guys see her name is Sam Landry. She is from Bellevue, Texas. So she's a Landry, not a Landry. So there's a little bit of a difference there. I just wanted to point that out because it's. we always ask our guests, especially players, we'll always say, uh, what was the appeal of playing softball or whatever sport in Lafayette? What was the appeal of being a raging Cajun? And I know that you said there was a very big pull when Glasgow got here, so that's a big part of your story, but was it a combination of Glasgow and, wow, what a softball program? And how did you kind of mentally go through that you know how did how did you as a younger person a younger softball player put those two things together and say this is the place for Sam Landry
2: so my dad actually grew up in Louisiana so that's where the Landry comes from but i being in Lafayette i my parents live in Calcasieu Parish now so it's about 2 hours from here so Lafayette was like perfect distance like i'm not too far but i'm not too too close and then like being on campus here you completely forget you're at a university like, with all the, I know, like, we're known for the trees around campus, but seriously, the trees just make you forget, like, you're actually on a college campus. And the fan base at Lampton Park is one of the best you will ever see. I have never seen, like, as loyal fans as they are. So I think that, and then the program, seeing what Coach Glasgow was building from what was there prior and how I just knew it was only going to get better from there.
3: No, that's fantastic. So going into your freshman year and during your freshman year, you had 29 appearances. That's a lot of time in the circle for a true freshman. Uh, I know with all the hype, uh, I'm sure the coaching staff had a lot of obviously had a lot of faith in you to get that done. And and you had a, a good year. But did the workload of 29 appearances surprise you as a freshman, especially knowing that you had a learning curve? And did you really expect to see that much time?
2: So I wouldn't really say, I, I don't want to say it surprised me or I didn't expect it because I kind of came in with like the mentality that I'm going to play. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit the bench, like any of that. Um, and I didn't want a red shirt. So I came in with that mentality. So I wasn't, I guess, expecting to not play. So the workload was a lot, um, but it. I just, I feel like personally I settled into it once the season started going on um, at first in my appearances you can see, they were a little rocky, especially like first innings of mini games. They're always the worst. Um, but yeah, I had that determination to play.
0: Quick follow up. You, you mentioned a little bit of struggle in the earlier innings. What was that? What was the pressure? Was it, you know, maybe trying to be too good, maybe trying to over pitch adrenaline? What was it? What, what, what caused those issues in the early innings?
2: So I feel like my biggest downfall is I I take too long to settle in when I pitch. So my first innings are normally my breakfast because I kind of wait until something clicks for me to be like, oh, here we go. So I'm, that's definitely something I'm working on. I've been doing better this fall and spring. Um, but that like that's my biggest problem is I just wait too long and I start giving up hits and then I get mad and then I settle in. So that's... Just, so we're working
3: on it. <laughs> Speaking of pitching in the circle, uh, you mentioned that uh, our fan base is passionate. I mean, honestly, we, we have the best softball fans in America, in my opinion. Uh, but what's it like pitching in the circle at Lampson Park? I know it gets loud. It gets intense. It gets exciting. And, and we've I'm sure we've heard different answers. But for you, when you're in the circle at Lampson Park, and let's say you're playing a big team or a big uh, during a big game, Do you feel the energy off the crowd or are you kind of in that tunnel vision mode where you just don't hear anything? You're just looking straight at that that catcher and trying to do your thing.
2: So honestly, it's a combination of like both, like, you know, the movies where like it's really quiet and then all of a sudden you hear like all the cheers and all that. It's literally that. So like in a pitch, I'm literally just looking at whoever is catching and I'm with her. But as soon as like something happens, I hear the whole crowd. So it's definitely a combination of both. I definitely do feed off the crowd though. Like when I can hear them, um, because if it's like very dead, I don't know why I'm just not like, it's not intriguing. So you really want the crowd to just be like pumped up, like, here we go. So I, I definitely feed off the crowd, but when it comes to like a critical moment, I don't hear any of it. And I'll hear them when I get back in the dugout.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's part of my next question. So you take the energy and and just everything that goes along with playing in Lampson, and, and we know it's an electric environment. I know for a fact when you go on the road, those crowds are not like that. Sometimes it's just parents, and maybe there's 15 of them sitting in the stands, and, I, and I've seen it. We've witnessed it. What is – talk to me about the difference between, you know, you have a, you have a four or five, maybe seven-game homestand, and it's electric every game. You go in there, and you're expecting that emotion and everything – and then you go on the road to, I'm not going to say a conference mate because I don't want to be ugly to anybody, but you know you go to another state in the South that has a softball team and there's not a lot of support. Does that impact you as a player, especially if, if you are a player that feeds off of energy and, and things like that, if it gives you an edge? What's it like? It, it, do you struggle to get the edge?
2: No, yeah, I definitely struggle because, like I said, like I do hear the crowd, and if it's not very critical – normally the crowd isn't loud, you know what I mean? So like the crowd gets really loud when it's like a really good game. So if you're playing, I don't wanna say lesser team, but if you are, if it's not as much competition, then it's just, it's not gonna be that loud. So then it's not like any fun anymore. Like you're just, you're here to play the seven innings. So when crowds are hype, it makes the game more fun. And if we travel and it's not like that, like we kind of have to create our own energy. And then it'll be c- become like more fun because like then our team is creating the energy and like we're feeding off of each other. And then the crowd starts feeding off us. Like it becomes complete role reverse right then. But I, like I said, our fans are very loyal. The fans like that we have like come and travel with us. I don't know if y'all have seen at the games, so but when pitchers get strikeouts, they're like 1K for whoever's pitching. John. So yeah, so they'll do that at the away games. And that I, that makes me smile every time.
3: So, basically, our fans drown out other fans at their own stadium.
2: For sure.
3: For sounds sure. about Every right. time. Yeah. Every that time. Sounds like <laughs> our fans would do something like that.
2: Yep.
0: That's <laughs> an Addis bonus about our softball fan base. I mean, they really do. They travel. They're loyal. They're loud. They're fun. You know, they have a couple of adult beverages and make it a little bit even more exciting. So anyway, I was just always curious about that, because we, we actually talked to Connor Kemple a little earlier, and he said the same thing. He said you want to play in big games. You want to play against teams that are as good or better than you. You want to be in good games. And a lot of times, even though the crowd may not necessarily be a Lampson type, if you're playing a team like that, you kind of get lost in the game. I'm more concerned about when you play lesser opponents with no crowd it's kind of impressive how the Cajun program has been able to sustain success in a, in a conference, and let's be honest, hasn't always been so quality. I mean, we've gotten better in the last five to eight years. Prior to that, it was pretty bad for a long time. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I mean, it was tough. So the fact that we had so much success in the conference with those type of environments, I don't think people pay attention to that enough. So I definitely wanted to ask a player, especially somebody who's pitching that's right in the middle of it all, my next question is about coaching and we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on coaching because I think it's very important. Uh, over the years you know our crowds were treated to offensive fireworks that's how we won games for so long uh, it, with the previous coach and coach Jerry Glasgow's come in here and he's kind of put an emphasis on building a more well-rounded program. he wants to play defense he wants to pitch and he wants to get timely hitting he wants chaos on the base pass he wants to beat you in a multitude of different ways which by the way I endorse offense is cyclical. Uh sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. Pitching can also be like that sometimes. Defense can be like that. When you have multiple weapons in the bag, it gives you more opportunity to win games. And if you're gonna make a long run in the postseason, you gotta be able to win games differently. Good teams can do that. Talk to us about 2023 and where we're deep. Is the pitching staff deep? Is is this the best defensive team you've seen? Is this is this gonna be an offensive team that makes you know, maybe some people raise their eyebrows and say, wow, I didn't realize we had that kind of firepower. What do you think 2023 brings as far as the Raging Cajun softball team? And and where do where should fans expect to see a real strength?
2: So I'm definitely biased, but I will say... And I was going to say
0: staff. that you're biased, so...
2: <laughs> our pitching staff is very strong. Um, me, Megan, and Kendra all returned. Uh, we have Carly this year. She's been getting a lot of innings. She looks very good. Um, Tyler Oob, she looks amazing she has a killer rise ball and then we have two freshmen that are settling in they look really good they definitely bring something different to the table we have a lefty and one of the freshmen Um, and then hitting wise I think we we have those power hitters like we have Sophie we have Carly we have Taylor Roman like that but we we do focus a lot on base running and I think it is a good thing because when say those power hitters aren't hitting home run home run home run and they're hitting gap shots but we can run the base as well we're going to score so I think offense is looks really good in that standpoint we have some fast people, we have freshman Maya Davis super fast and we it's we have Maddie Hayden, too. And I think our defense looks the best it's ever looked, too, because we're adding in a freshman middle infielder. Her name's Cecilia, or sis. She goes by sis. But she's very good defense. Or we have Vic, who's a freshman, very good. So I think the freshman class is actually bringing in a lot of talent this year. Um, but, again, biased opinion, our pitching staff looks amazing.
0: Let me Let me ask a quick follow-up before Jerry goes. What about this freshman class makes you feel confident that they'll be able to contribute early on?
2: So I definitely think actions speak louder than words. So a freshman can come in all day and say, "Hey, like I'm good. I'm gonna come for your spot," but you got to prove that. So you have these freshmen coming in and they're proving that they're going to be a challenge to some of our players. So I I think just how they practice, how motivated they are, how dedicated they are is really just proving that they're here to play so we we all have to step it up in every position
3: your pitching coach coach justin rubishow we all know him as jut you know it raised a few eyebrows when he got hired on as a softball coach because we've always identified him as a, a baseball player the son of the late great tony rubishow just talk a little bit about him uh as far as being a pitching coach it looked like he had a a good first year uh for you personally um how has he benefited to you as well as the the pitching staff with his guidance and knowledge and just how have has the entire pitching staff embraced him
2: so i definitely think coach jesson brings a new viewpoint of the game because like you can compare baseball and softball all day but there's so many differences between them even in pitchers because like I mean, obvious, we're going underhand, they're going overhand. But you wouldn't think your bodies react the same to it. You know what I mean? So when he comes in and he's saying, oh, your leg has to do this, and you're like, that's a baseball thing. Like, we don't do that. But then you try it, and I'm out here throwing 70. I'm like, oh, maybe he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Maybe he does know. So I definitely think Coach Justin has brought a new viewpoint of the whole – just pitching mindset into the game. He's very motivational. So if you're down, you ain't going to be down for long because Coach Justin's going to come. But I think I I can speak on behalf of all the pitchers. We love having him. We love everything he can do. He can see so many things that nobody else can see. He can be like, oh, like her back shoulder's right here, so she's not going to hit this. I'm like, it's moving so fast. Like, how do you see that? But I again, I love having him. I think he's a great pitch caller um, and he's taught me so much. I can I now can like guess what pitch is coming next because I'm like, he's about to call this. So he's great.
0: Does does he bring so we, you know, Tony used to have robisms, right? So we, we call them robisms. Does he have any jut isms? Does he, he have like a one liner, quick motivational line that he'll throw at you guys? And you, you sit back and go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: He definitely does. I, I don't know why I can't think of any off the top of my head, but he does use a lot of his dads too. And because he uses them so often, he's got me using them. So like the other day, somebody said something about needing to go get water. I was like, well, we want kids that drink out of the water hose. There
0: it is. And he was is. like, That's amen. it. That's, it. <laughs> That's great. I I, I always want when. as soon as he started getting into coaching, I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely going to have Imagine some juddisms. And you know, the beauty
3: of that is like, obviously, um, you know, baseball has its quirks and we talk about the traditions of Cajuns baseball, but one of the things that was such a heavy part of it was the robisms. It's so great that now it's kind of, we've gone across the street to softball and we brought some of that to softball and it's, it's just a great culture overall. So uh, I'm glad, I'm glad coach Justin's able to do that. Uh, I I did have to ask though. Um, you know, you mentioned, and I got to follow up Josh, if you don't mind, but, um, when you talked about coach Justin coming from baseball and and you were talking about how with the way he coaches, there were some things about, Oh, that was, that was done in baseball. Was there for, from what you saw as far as his approach, as far as the pitch selection and the way he coaches, uh, did he have um, like, would you say he, he he's very similar to coaches you've had in the past or does he kind of have a unique uh, way of coaching just because he, he, You know, his most of his life was around baseball. Like, do you see similarities, a lot of differences in the way he coaches, and how have you been able to embrace that?
2: I definitely it's kind of like both. So I see a lot of similarities in the like motivation and what he's gonna call, but the difference is his reasoning, like why he's gonna call it. And he he's very smart, very, very smart. So when he talks, it's just like, what are you saying? Like, I don't understand you. But we're kind of on the same page now. I'm a pre-med biology major, major so I, I can hear, like, um, I guess medical references or, like, external, like, stuff like that. So he started using that. We've connected a little bit more. Like, okay, I understand you now. Thank you. But um, he definitely is very unique, very unique. So I... There's nothing else to describe him. It's just very unique. He has his own lens of the game, and I don't think anybody can ever take that away from him.
0: Real quick side note: Are we still looking at uh, at um, medical school after this? I know we're two years into college. We got our career going here in softball. Is is are we going to medical still school? Still, is that still the goal?
2: Yes, med school is. I want to do anesthesiology.
0: We need we need she good got ones. some goals. Maybe by the time she's done, we'll be building our own med school.
2: I know. I I wish. I wish we had a med school here, so I don't have
0: to leave. <laughs> it's in the works. Just hang on a little while. Just try to play yeah. as long as you can.
2: <laughs> yeah. For
3: so like take a take a red shirt. You know, one no. or two
0: years. Take an yeah. injury. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get that. Red red change shirt. your name. Do grad school. Whatever. Uh, so we talked about Melissa moving on. We talked about Random moving on. And obviously, you're gonna ch- teams change from year to year. Uh, but again, the nucleus is there. You got a good young core. I know you guys probably. Uh, have a lot of familiarity. Chemistry is a big deal. Everybody that's ever played team sports understand that. And talking about robisms like we did, he always used to say that chemistry can make an average team great and a great team average. So my question to you is, how would you describe this year's chemistry? Something that you got, you know, just in the hallways and in the dorm rooms and, the, you know, during practice where maybe it can get snippy. Maybe it can get a little bit, you know, people get aggravated with each other. What's the chemistry like on this particular squad in 2023?
2: We definitely have a very good uh, team chemistry. We, I know, I have some of the girls over to my house all the time. Uh, we all room with softball players, so you're typically closest with the person you're rooming with. Like I room with um, Alexa Langley, our shortstop. So uh, me and Lex are very close, um, and I think our team chemistry is just really good. You know, we'll all hang out in the locker room, like, how was your day? You want to go grab dinner tonight? Like, stuff like that, Uh, which I've never personally had on a team like that, where you hang out that much outside of practice. So it's very great to have team chemistry does make or break our team. I'll say that right now, but I think we're, we're good in the place that we're at right now.
0: Good to know. And if I had to identify a few team leaders and maybe a team captain, who would those people be?
2: So we do have three team captains and I stand by them three being the team captain any day. We have Kendra, Taylor Roman, and Jordan Campbell. And I think they're all three amazing when, if they talk to coach about something, it's going to be on behalf of the team and everybody's going to support everything that they just said. So I think them three being the captain is the three I would say any day.
0: Good. So, how do you rise to the level of being that trusted within a locker room? You guys are just close. Uh, I don't know, uh, integrity thing. And how does that happen?
2: I, I definitely think that we are all really close. Um, we all trust each other. Most of the time, if you say something in the locker room, it's not getting out of there. Um, but it's definitely integrity has a lot to do with it, to know that if something gets said in the locker room, it doesn't get out of there. And then being our our team captains too, they also help, I don't wanna say run our team, but accountability within our team. And I think that keeps us very close too, just to be able to trust one another about anything.
3: You talk about team chemistry. The good thing about team chemistry is good chemistry can always help you reach your ultimate goals. Uh, one of our main ultimate goals with Rage and Cage Cajun softball is to go to Oklahoma City and win a national championship, I'm sure. Anytime, I'm sure when you were recruited, I'm sure anybody we recruit, that's the goal—to go win a national title at uh, the College World Series. So, uh, last season, uh, I know our season came up, ended a little on a sh- you know on a sh- shorter note than we would have liked at at Clemson. Um, but I have to ask, you know, from last season, the way the season ended, the experience at the Clemson Regional, um, what was that like for you? And what do you feel that the team learned from that experience at Clemson that carried into the offseason and into this season?
2: So, actually, I wasn't able to go to Clemson last season because I got COVID the week that we went to regionals. Um, but hearing the team talk, I think they definitely learned about, like, perseverance during the game because even the game, they went, I believe, 14 innings and win an ITB. Like, if you wouldn't have stayed – in that game that whole time you would have never came out of that so I was super proud of them for that I thought that was amazing I was texting them the whole time um but definitely perseverance like a game is seven innings it can go longer but you don't you don't quit after the first inning even if you get up and you score seven runs in seven runs in the first inning you don't quit there like you need all those extra runs you can get. So I definitely, they learned that. I think that trip definitely bonded a lot of people. I wish I could have been on it, but I was in Lafayette.
0: COVID, man. What a, oh. <laughs> anyway, even though you didn't get to go to South Carolina, right? You did get to pitch in Mobile in the Sunbelt Tournament. I mean, those are meaningful postseason games. And for a young pitcher, regardless of, you know, what conference you pitch in or whatever, there's got to be lessons learned from... Games that you have to win in order to win a tournament, right? I mean, everybody grows up playing travel ball now. It's all tournament-based. It's all the same structure. I get all that, but it's different in D1. I, at least I feel that way. I'm not a pitcher, but what did you take from that experience? The Sunbelt Tournament, it's got, again, we mentioned it earlier, it's gotten a lot better over the years. Mobile is a, a really great venue. It's a great place to have a tournament. What did you take, personally, Sam, from that experience in the Sunbelt Championship Tournament?
2: Um. So, okay, so the championship game, I the first inning, I loaded the bases, no outs. So I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to get out of this? I did great under pressure, but I was like, what am I going to do? And I hear Coach Justin, he's like, Time out. I see Kendra come in. And I don't want to say I wasn't relieved, but I trusted her. I was like, okay, she got this. So her getting out of that, I think that game just – I had already trusted Kendra as a pitcher as it was but that game kind of showed like how much you can trust your players. Like everybody is there to help each other. Like it's a team sport, the team chemistry, everybody's there to help each other. So I think definitely the Sunbelt tournament alone just showed me how much I can trust my players and how much like I need to trust my team. So it I it was a great experience especially as a freshman, it helped me mature a lot.
0: Let me ask you this In high school, when you're an ace or you're, you know, relied upon to get the big outs and do everything, essentially. In in high school, a lot of that, that happens a lot, especially when you're the number four prospect in the country. No big deal. Uh, Is it hard to get into a new new team and a new environment with new players and trust other people to bail you out of a tough spot?
2: So luckily in high school, I actually went to high school with Sophia Simpson. Uh, she's pitcher for UT. We actually tied number four prospect. So high school, I can't say. I. It was all on me. We definitely had it together. Um, so she was somebody I trusted too, but I did have to learn that as well. Um, so I think it was no different than this time. It's just new players, new trust built. Um, so it it wasn't difficult it just took me a minute cuz to like like i said earlier like actions speak louder than words so seeing them be able to help me and get behind me that that's what allowed for me to trust my team
3: so the season starts in less than a week but there is I mean, the schedule is unbelievable, especially non-conference. I know there's a lot of games that are going to be challenging. There's going to be a lot of games that are going to be fun. Uh, But for you, if you were to look at the schedule, I mean, really, you know, the tournaments, the series we have coming up, just a great schedule overall. What would you say would be a particular game, series, or tournament that you're looking forward to participating in, being the competitor that you are?
2: Definitely Clearwater, which is uh, not this week, but next week. I'm definitely ready for Clearwater. We're going to face some good competition. And I think one of our main goals is hosting regional. So if we're going to host a regional, we're going to have to prove that we can handle competition. So I think that's going to be a good starting point for proving that. It's definitely going to be a challenge for us, but I don't think any of us are going to let it like bring us down or fold to the, the pressure because even though you like you want to do good in these games, there's always ways to come back from little fumbles in the road. so uh, we're definitely coming in, we're going to go in strong and we're preparing to win, but we know how to bounce back from it if we need to
0: this this team and a lot of the girls you've become you know close to, when you had a couple of rough spots in the previous season how did how did they? And I'll give you some context. The reason I'm asking the question is because when you have an out-of-conference schedule like that, the result really is not that big of a deal for people that have been following the game for a long time. The most important thing is the competition to see where you're lacking or where you're really, really good. So back to the question of 2022, when you hit a couple of rough spots last year, how did the team emotionally respond? How did their personalities kick in where, you know, maybe the alphas came out of them are, you know, maybe people found out things they didn't want to find out about themselves. How did they respond to the rough patches in 2022? And how does that prepare you for that rough out-of-conference schedule in
2: 2023? So even talking about like the Clemson, I know I wasn't there, but I know that kind of broke my team because they made it so close. So I think this year, I think the whole team, even me, even though I wasn't there, like they're still my best friend, So I'm a fight for them, but we're coming back like for vengeance this year. Um, but I think like tough losses last year, take a toll on the team just because you, you never really want to walk away from a game losing it. So I think every loss kind of affected everybody in a different viewpoint. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely nothing that anybody on the team was like, oh, we lost. Like, sorry, get them next time. Like, th- those losses matter because the, they're going to be looking at that for who's hosting.
0: That's a good point. When you put that resume together, it matters. Sam, you've been an absolute delight. I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners about your partnership with with Gar Law Firm. Uh, I, I know it's uh, something that's important to you. Uh, like I said, I, I know personally some people involved in that. so. Uh, I know they're great folks and and I know what they can do for you. Floor is yours.
2: Yeah. So Gar Law is a local um, injury attorney lawyers uh, company. They are amazing people. They're going to make you feel at home as soon as you walk through the door. Uh, I love being around them. I know I brought them breakfast the other day just because I love them so much. Uh, They're great people. Uh Mr. Joe Gar, like another dad to me. I just love him. I trust him with my life. I know I needed advice the other day. I went straight to them. I was like, I need y'all's help. But yeah, they're great people. Definitely somebody if I needed a lawyer, I would trust them with anything.
0: Joe's a good man, and I uh as soon as I saw that you guys were working together, I said I gotta reach out because (laughs) these are my people. Jerry. I love them. Tell Sam bye. Thank her for coming on. You know the drill. Of
3: course, Sam, it was such a pleasure having you. Uh, great job today. We were talking Thank before you. the interview, you know, uh, that uh, maybe one day radio may be your calling, so uh, yeah, but no, you did a fantastic job. Back up to job. med school. <laughs> yeah, med school doesn't work, right?
0: But A uh, little bit of a no, pay difference, no. but other than that, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine, it's
3: fine. exactly. <laughs> now, we're going to be cheering you on in the circle this year, Sam, uh, for anybody who's curious. Uh, number 12 again, right? You're going yes. to be wearing the two jersey? Alright, yes. good. We'll be keeping an eye on it and uh, yeah I know the expectations go out there compete be the best you can be and thank you so much for representing our university uh, the way that you do
2: thank y'all so much for having me
0: thanks Sam number 12 in your roster and number one on your heart she'll be in the circle coming to a softball stadium near you alright Sam be good we'll be there re- rooting for you on Friday
2: alright thank y'all bye bye
0: Well, Jerry, that was fun. It's always good to talk to the student athletes, you know. Well, get it's always their perspective on things. Yo, know, for me, it's fun to talk to the competitor. I want yeah. to talk to the gladiator in the arena, man. That's oh, where thanks. everything's happening. Hey, you
3: you go play the Oklahomas, the UCLA's, and the Alabamas of the world. She's definitely
0: front and center in the circle. No, it's it's fun to just get their perspective on things and. You know, if you've ever played team sports, you know how infectious it is and you know how hard it is to leave it when you have to leave it. So, you know, anytime we get the opportunity to talk to any player, I don't care if it's track and field, I, I don't care. I, I want to know. I, I miss it very much. And, and just hearing them talk about it uh, and care about it so much. Like, again, we talked to Kemp earlier. We talked to Sam. They just love the game. They love competing. They love being in it. I, I, I just I think that that's fascinating radio.
3: No doubt about it, and uh, no, I look forward to seeing what she can do this year. She's she's a competitor herself, man. And uh, you know, I, I just I love the fact when she talks about how how united the locker room is. That is like music to my ears. Anytime I hear that, you can definitely tell those players they they have each other's backs, and that's why they're going to be so successful this year.
0: I don't think we've ever had a successful team that didn't coalesce. You know, circle the wagons. Never.
3: It's part of the formula, man. It's the formula. It's, yeah, it is you
0: can't you, you know what's so great can't. about softball is they always roll out that schedule man that schedule is always something to look forward to the competition is always top flight the way they perform they, they never it's unbelievable 25 30 years they've never let the fan base down with regard to performance in a big game or it, it, hosting a regional or, or whatever whatever the case is they always rise to the occasion and I think that's part of why they've built such a a, a loyal fan base man they you well, know, we talk about winning the event all the time. Who wins the event more often than softball?
3: And also, too, I think it's 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 expectation and living up to those standards. You know, for us, uh, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't have $150 million budget. And you're starting to see a lot of the bigger schools put a lot of money into to softball as of the in the last 10 to 15 years. But yet we're still competing with them. We're still beating them. We're still competing for national titles. Our name is still up there when it comes to, you know, notable softball programs. Uh, in spite of the resources the money and you know we've actually found good ways to compete with that with the stadium we play in the fan base that we have a lot of our success is organic i mean you look at the history of softball and and we'll probably talk a little bit about that with mr bobby in a second but if you look at where we started and how we've evolved over time uh we've i mean we've Played with the best of them. And, and and it's not one of those situations. You look at a certain school up north in North Louisiana with their women's basketball program. I hate to say it, but they got a they kind of got passed up when other schools started investing in, in women's basketball. Softball, we're I mean, we're still we're still there. We're still here. So that's great to hear. I mean, when you bring in, you know, top ten prospects like Sam Landry to pitch for you, that's what's able to maintain your success. But it's also created by the fan base and the passionate people uh uh, that that make this happen through the fans And, and that's why i think uh that's why we're able to compete with the best and that's why teams with a bigger budget than us want to come to
0: lamson park because it's an experience for them not just us I agree 100%. And when you can attract people like Sam Landry, very impressive young lady, biology major, wants to go to med school, wants to be an anesthesiologist. We're not talking about just a great softball player. We're talking about driven people that are going to stick around your community and make it better. So again, we love the stuff on the field, but we're interested in the health of the program. We're interested in the health of the university. Right now, we're going to bring in color analyst, Mr. Bobby Nava, to talk a little softball with us. We thought he'd be a A good time. Mr. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on Razor Review to talk some softball.
1: First of all, thanks for you guys having me on tonight. And, uh, you know, next time, uh, put me before Sam because, I mean, that kid was (laughs) extremely impressive. And, you know, me and Sam have uh, something in common. Neither one of us ever made a B in college. So, uh, (laughs) Mr. Bobby (laughs) with
0: a humble brag.
1: (laughs) We're in the presence
3: of a genius, right? (laughs) No, you are in the presence of a genius. (laughs) You know, I got the, the for starters, Mr. Bobby, I got to ask, you know, you're kind of an unofficial ambassador. You know, you're know, you a big UL supporter to begin with. You work with media and all that. But, you know, when people associate you with UL, the one of the main things they associate you with is softball. How did you get involved with UL softball so many years ago? And, and what's what's kept you around for so long to, to at this point be the color analyst?
1: With duty, and, and, and you know, I'm, f- I'm from Abbeville, and uh, we're involved. You know, when I was growing up in Abbeville, Babe Ruth, uh, Babe Ruth League was a very big part of what I did when I was growing up. And uh, in fact, when I was 13 years old, I got offered the uh, the job at, at the Babe Ruth baseball as the PA announcer and official scorekeeper, and uh, that's kind of how I got started in in in, uh, in sports and. Uh, and so, anyway, um, Babe Ruth has several uh, World Series every year, and to, at, to every World Series, they send a four-person uh, task force to work the World Series. So, in 2000, I was offered the opportunity to go to uh, Millville, New Jersey, and work a 16-and-under uh, softball World Series. Um, you know, I've always been involved with baseball, and uh, wanted to kind of get my foot in the door. So I said, sure, I'll go work a softball World Series. And uh, so I did. I spent two weeks in Millville, New Jersey, and fell in love with, with, with fast pitch softball. And, uh, and then, my, you know, my son graduated from high school in 2001. He was, you know, he played baseball and, and basketball. And so uh, wasn't able to attend many recreational softball games until he graduated from high school. And then um, in 2002, uh, became involved with the Rage softball program and kind of been there ever since.
0: There's been a theme around the athletic program over the last decade or so, and it's been transition, and obviously in lots of different programs it has been. But I would like to know, uh, from someone who was around the program day in, day out, saw the good, the bad, and the ugly, when the previous coach was unceremoniously removed and we moved on to Coach Glasgow, Was there a feeling within the the smaller circles of Raging Cajun softball, people really attached, was there a feeling that there'd be a drop-off? How familiar was our local community from a softball standpoint with Coach Glasgow? Uh, Maybe talk a little bit about that, and I won't stay too long on it, but I, I feel like it's important to tell the story of softball from the beginning of Glasgow and into the 2023 season because, like I mentioned with Jerry early, You're going into year six with Coach Glasgow. It is now his team. This is his program. His fingerprints are all over it. I don't think people understand how much chaos was going on behind the scenes when Glasgow took over. So I want to give him a little bit of credit. I know it's a little bit, you know, late. But I'm curious as to how that really played out from people that saw it behind the scenes.
1: Well, first, you know, first of all, I I worked for the per- previous coaching staff for about 10 years, and I love those people to death and uh, always have and always will. They've done a lot for me. And, uh, you know, for me personally, that was a big decision uh, that I had to make. And, you know, my love for the university, my love for the program, uh, and you know, I made a decision to continue to to do what I've been doing in the, in the past. And uh, when I met Coach Glasgow, uh, you know, he was so transparent and uh, he was uh, so open to meeting all the, the fans and, 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 and you know, and I think that had a lot to do with uh, how the fans received him and accepted him was the fact that he was so transparent and uh, he allowed them access. You know, he allows he allows the fans to come uh, to every uh, every practice. You know, when I get there in the afternoon, there's a cone keeping the uh, the gate open, so any fan who wants to come watch practice or watch the scrimmages, they're allowed to come in and do that. And I, I don't think that happens at very many programs in the country. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with some coaches that have been here and and moved on to uh, coach at some P5 programs, and it, you know. Our program is is a lot different than what you're going to find anywhere else. As, as far as you know, allowing fans to uh, to come in and watch practice every day, and it's just not something that happens everywhere. And I think that I think that went a long way in helping the fans make that transition uh, from the previous coaching staff to Coach Glasgow.
0: It's it's very interesting, and it's always been on my mind, and honestly, never really had the conversation with anybody. So I figured I'd ask and. I knew you would be the person to ask. Uh, but moving on to 2023, you know, a lot of there is some change. You know, like we mentioned with Sam, there's we we lost some some senior leadership and things like that. But I feel like this is the most consistent team we've we will have had in probably three or four years, maybe longer than that. What do you see when you look at this roster? What do you see when you look at the potential of this particular uh, team? Do Do you feel like there's a run in them? Do you feel like the building blocks are there? Do you think that that Coach Glasgow has the pieces that he needs in order to run his system, uh, maybe more so than in other years.
1: Yeah, Josh. You know, I told Coach Glasgow in the fall, and, and I really believe this. I've been involved with the program for a little bit over twenty years, and this is the deepest roster I've ever seen. The uh, you know uh, since since I've been involved, and in, you know we've got twenty two kids on the roster, and um, you know there've been years when we've had some kids on the roster that may, you know, may not have been able to maybe transfer to another D1 school and play or, but every kid on this roster is, is a D1 softball player. You know, we may not have Alexi Elkins or, or, uh, you know, kids like that, like a, a true first team, all American type kid on this team. And we might, and you know, that remains to be seen, but um, we've got, you know, we've got about 14 position players, that can play at this level. And, and I don't think we've ever had that before. You know, we've had kids on the roster that could, could pitch run or maybe come in and play a, a, a inning late in the game for defensive purposes. Or, but we've really got 14 kids on this roster that position players that could start a game at any time, and, and you're not going to have a drop-off. So uh, I think this is the deepest roster that we've ever had and uh, since I've been involved with the program, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm glad I don't have to make the lineup.
3: I, I think what's impressive to me, Mr. Bobby, is the fact that I look at the roster, and I mean, there's really no seniors who aren't pitchers outside of maybe Carly Heath. I know she does a little bit of outfield as well as pitching. the The youth of this team, with the expectation, I feel, is is fantastic because you just know that they're going to be around for a little while. Um, Do you feel like the youth of this team, uh, because I know they had to get their feet wet last season, but do you feel like that experience from last year will help this team? And do you still feel like there's a little bit of youth that may affect them when they play, like, say, for instance, in the Clearwater tournament? Or do you think that this team can hit the ground running just based off of the experience that they got last season?
1: Yeah, dude, like, you know, Coach Glasgow brought in seven freshmen. And uh, to go along with that freshman class from last year, and those freshmen from last year played, you know, they played a lot of innings. And, uh, you know, they got their feet wet. And, uh, you know, we've got some kids in this freshman class. I'm not so sure Coach Glasgow expected them to develop as, as quickly as they have. You know, a kid like uh, Victoria Valdez who, you know, She's going to, uh, you know, she can catch and she can play third base. And, and that's going to be huge for this team this year. You know, last year, Sophie Piscos was really, really beat up at the end of the season. You know, she caught a lot of innings. And and this year, she's got Victoria who, who who can, you know, Victoria was in January scrimmages. She was the second leading hitter on the team. And uh, she's really developed. And you got a kid like Cecilia Vasquez, Sissy. Who's an outstanding middle infielder? Can play shortstop, can play second base, and she's gonna, you know, she's gonna see a lot of playing time, I'm sure. And Kylie uh, Griffin is another kid. I'm not so sure that Coach Glasgow expected Kylie to, to to develop as quickly as she has. Uh, Cl- you know, Kylie's kind of a utility type player. She can play second base. She can uh, she can also play some outfield, and you know, maybe maybe designated player because she's a really good hitter. And um, she can hit with power. but And then we have the, you know, we have Maya Davis who, she's the one freshman that came in who I thought Coach Glasgow probably thought was going to be in the starting lineup from the, you know, the day that he signed her. And this kid, she has an opportunity to be really special. You know, I talked about maybe not having a first-team All-American on the roster, and uh, she may be the kid before, you know, before she's done with her career at UL. That she may be, the you know, the top kid because she has all the tools uh, to be a first-team All-American. She's an outstanding outfielder, uh, you know, a center fielder that can could go and get just about any ball in the outfield, and um, she'll probably be the lead off hitter. She can really, really run. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Keeley Milligan type speed and. Um, you know, she's the kind of kid that's going to make a lot of difference as a leadoff hitter. puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You know, if if the ball bounces twice, uh, save your arm. Don't even, you know, no use to even throw to to first because you're not going to get her. And then if there's a bobble in the outfield, she's on second base. You know, she she's a very aggressive uh, base runner, and she's a very good base runner to go along with the speed. So, and then you got, you know, you got Tala Oob, who's a red shirt freshman who uh, she was injured in the first scrimmage uh, of the fall and missed the rest of the fall. But that kid has uh, has really improved tremendously in the circle. And, you know, she may uh, be the kind of pitcher that can can, can get some innings and maybe pitch you know, come in as a relief pitcher at the end of a game and and give the hitters uh, a different look, maybe the third or fourth time through a lineup. So a lot of good-looking freshmen. Uh, Lauren Allred uh, is a kid who, uh, you know, she may be a a redshirt candidate. Lauren Allred and Kali Pitzer, who's a right-handed pitcher from Tennessee, who's also improved tremendously uh, since the fall and uh, you know those two kids may be redshirt uh, candidates, but uh, that's something that Coach Glasgow normally uh, lets the kids decide. You know if they want a redshirt or not. So uh, you know that's that's kind of an overview of of the freshmen, the newcomers, and then you know you got some some kids that played a lot last year that are going to be sophomores this year, like you know like Maddie Hayden and. and and Kramer Rush Day and uh, Alexa Langoliers, who's an outstanding shortstop. Oh, is, she looks
0: awesome. She,
1: yeah, yeah, she she, uh, she led the team in home runs last year. I think she had 13 as a true freshman. And uh, or Kayla Falterman. Sam Grader had an outstanding uh, fall, a, a power hitter, uh, a corner outfielder, who, who was also injured in the fall and was released to come back to practice uh, early last week, and uh, so I mean, I tell you, like I mentioned early, I'm glad I don't have to make the lineup. Coach Glasgow's got his hands full, and uh, I'm not sure if you're going to ever see this year uh, a true starting nine. You're going to probably have six or seven kids that are going to be a day, everyday lineup, and then you know two or three, four kids that you can mix in there, depending on maybe you know if you're facing a rise ball pitcher, you know one of those kids might. Might be a strong rise ball hitter. So, uh, you know, so Coach Glasgow is going to be able to move some things around. He's got a lot of moving parts and uh, looking forward to the season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And and this team is going to be one of the best teams that Coach Glasgow has been able to put on the field since he's been here.
3: I think what makes it so great is the fact that you mentioned some names and you know, you look at like an Alexa Langley right. Or you look at like a Kayla Falterman and you see how much, how much they contributed last season. And then you look on the roster and you realize they're only sophomores. So we get them for another three seasons. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned about how coach Glasgow uh it, it's it's going to be difficult for him to put together a roster do you expect him to play uh, he he's, looks like he's not afraid to play freshman I mean when he, he'll he play the best uh, would you say that um he, he will get some some significant play time to those freshman players you mentioned this year
1: uh no doubt you know like I said you know Victoria Valdez and um Victoria Valdez and Cecilia Vasquez, those two kids, uh, you know, in my mind from what I've seen in the fall and and here in January, I think those kids are going to get a lot of playing time. Like I said, Victoria Valdez, uh, she's a a true freshman who had had committed to Texas Tech, and then Texas Tech made a a coaching change, and she decommitted and and committed to the Cajuns. And she can catch and she can play third base. So, uh, you know, I see her – um, probably getting you know some significant playing time along with Sissy and uh, you know that kid another sophomore that I didn't mention, Maddie Hayden who had an outstanding year last year as a freshman. Maddie's uh, you know seen a lot of time at third base in the fall and here in January. So I'm expecting Maddie to uh, to to get some innings both in outfield and at third base. And then you know uh, I mentioned some of the other freshmen that'll. That'll probably get uh, some playing time, and uh, you know I love this team, man. They got a lot of speed, got a lot of power. The pitching staff is as deep as I've ever seen, and uh, I think you know, even though we've got a really challenging schedule, I'm looking at uh, the possibility of a really special season.
0: Yeah, we'll get we'll get to the schedule in just a minute, but I would like to just take a second to evaluate the pitching. We've heard many times throughout the course of the years, you know man, this pitching staff, we're four deep, we're three deep, we're five deep. We heard that a lot. You have a ton of confidence, obviously, in this pitching staff. And Sam does too, but Sam's biased. I love Sam, but she's biased. She's a pitcher. So what is? why does Bobby feel like this is the pitching staff that actually is five, six, seven deep?
1: Well, you know, you, you got three kids. Uh, returning that, that pitched a lot of innings last year and Kendra Lamb, Megan Shorman and Sam Landry. And then Carly Heath has uh, had a really, really good fall. Carly's, you know, Carly came from South Carolina. She was 13 and 0 at South Carolina, eight and 0 her freshman year. And then in the COVID uh, season, she was five and 0. So she transferred to us uh, as a pitcher who was 13 and 0 in all those starts at South Carolina so that gives you four kids right there who can start. Uh, I think what's going to make this pitching staff special, and I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see this pitching staff uh, having a lot of uh, complete games because you got you really have six kids that can come in at the end of a ball game. You know, if you bring in uh, you bring in a Sam Landry after uh, 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 an opponent's batting order has seen uh, Kandra Lamb two or three times, uh, now you're seeing a completely different pitcher. Or if you bring Kendra in behind Megan Shorman or Carly Heath, you know, bringing her in to pitch the sixth or seventh inning, I think it's going to make this pitching staff that much more effective uh, because uh, batting orders are not going to see, I don't think, our starting pitchers uh, more than three, you know, two or three times in a ball game because you have the luxury of bringing those kids in at the back end and giving the opponents a different look. And I think that's what's going to make this pitching staff, uh, you know, even more effective this season.
0: I can tell you from my end of things, uh, the fact that Shorman, Landry, Lamb, all of these different contributors last year all had moments of dominance. Now it's it's hard to be consistent at, at this level, especially when you're playing the schedule that we play. But I'm just telling you, there were times where Shortman looked unhittable. There were times when Kendra Lamb came in and got out of big time jams. There were times when a young Sam Landry just mowed through lineups. Uh, I think that if there's a, even a little bit more consistency, I, that's an exciting thing from from a softball standpoint, uh, a softball fan standpoint. Now I would like to talk about the battery made a little bit because I'm a catcher, and for baseball and softball, everything starts behind the plate with me uh sophie piscos is she the linchpin for this team is she the i mean look to me the quarterback is sitting behind the plate and everything just runs through that position for this team with her amount of experience and just she has a way about her she she has a to me it looks like she has a calming presence on the field is she uh irreplaceable i know that we have options behind her as far as capable players and i know they're younger but There's something about Sophie Piscos that tells me that she has to be on the field. I think that she is an integral part of this team.
1: You're right, but before I get to Sophie, one more thing I wanted to mention about the pitching staff. You know, this is the second year Justin Robichaux is going to be the pitching coach. And and what I'm seeing and what I'm kind of feeling is that um, there's a lot more trust this year, and those kids are starting to believe more in the system. You heard Sam talk about uh, how much... Uh, she believes in Coach show and and that's another thing that I think is going to uh, make the pitching staff even better this year. And then and then Sophie, you know, Sophie, you uh, Sam mentioned the three leaders. So those those three girls she mentioned are, are kind of laid-back kids, uh, but Sophie is, although she may not be a captain, she is probably the vocal leader. Of this of this team, you know, she's the she's the energy. The uh, and when she's on the field, you know, she's kind of like the Energizer Bunny. I know you guys have been to a game; you have to have seen how much energy she brings to the field. But the good thing about Sophie this year, with uh, with Vic on the team, is you know you can give Sophie a game off or a half a game off. You can you know she can be a designated uh, player one game and, and and get Vic back there, which is going to make her that much more effective toward the end of the season, she'll be much more well-rested. Because like I said, man, she was beat up at the end of the year last year. She had to catch just about every inning, except for the uh, the games that she missed. She had a, an injury, and uh, Melissa Mayhew uh, spent some time behind the plate. But, uh, you know, Sophie's a kid, like you mentioned. She's a very integral part of this uh, of this softball team and a very vocal leader who I think her teammates really trust. And, uh, you know, she has her teammates back, backs at all times. And, uh, you know, she'll fight for her teammates and fight for her coaches. And uh, she's a great kid to have on the team.
0: All right, Mr. Bobby, take it away. Lafayette College to start out the season.
1: Yeah, don't know much about Lafayette College. And then, you know, Stephen F. Austin on the opening weekend, we're going to have four games. We'll play two games against each of those teams, which I think is very uh, – it's a good way to start the season, especially for those uh, young freshmen that will be playing in their uh, their first ever college games, Get a you know, get a few games under their belt before we go to uh, – before we go to Clearwater, and then, you know, we go to Clearwater, we leave on the, uh, I think, the 15th, and, you know, uh, I realized two things earlier today that uh, that made me very excited, one being that this is the last weekend until late May or early June that we don't have softball, and, and then the second thing that uh, that got me excited is that we leave to go to Clearwater on February 15th, and we come back the day after Mardi Gras, so I'm going to be out of town uh, for for the whole Mardi Gras thing. No one lane, uh, Johnston Street. No one lane, uh, Bertrand Drive. Uh, oh man, it's know, the
0: worst. I live it's here. The it's the worst.
1: And uh, you're not not having to go through Maurice to get to Lampson Park is so, going to have is, is going to be very nice. So when you're taking um, off,
3: you going to be you're going to be waving to the barricades as you you head over to Clearwater, right?
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, so I'm excited about that. And then, like, you know, we, we, on Thursday, the, um, the 16th, we open play in the Clearwater Tournament uh, against uh, Indiana. And then on Friday, we play Michigan. And then it gets really interesting on Saturday and Sunday as we're going to play Oklahoma State, Arkansas on Saturday, UCLA and Florida State. On Sunday, all four of those teams are ranked in uh, most of the preseason polls are in the top ten. So that's going to be uh, very interesting. There's going to be some very competitive games. Uh, Michigan in some polls are ranked in the top 25 also. And then we leave Clearwater on Monday morning and uh, and go to Orlando, where we're going to take on Central Florida on uh on Tuesday, on Mardi Gras Day, Central Florida ranked 15th in the preseason post. Wow! They, uh, they not only did they host a regional last year, but they won their regional and uh, and then they were eliminated by Oklahoma. That's right. I the forgot Central about Regionals. that. Yeah. Yes, and and then uh, you know and and then uh, we come back, and then we have the LSU crossover where we'll play LSU twice. And Texas A&M Corpus Christi twice on uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and then on Monday we're going to host Ole Miss at Lampson Park. Uh, that's on February 27th. So that's going to be a uh, you know a very very busy three days, five games in three days. On Saturday we'll go to uh, to Baton Rouge, and then on Sunday LSU and A&M Corpus Christi will come will come to Lafayette. And then on Monday, we'll play Ole Miss. That is uh,
0: one hell of a brutal first, what, three weeks, four weeks?
1: Yeah, no doubt. My God, that's
0: exciting. That's good. That's great softball. That's great competition. You know exactly where you're going to be. You know exactly what you have by the end of – I mean, by the time you get to March, you know what you're working with.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, you know – I know we all want to win as many of those games as we can, but uh, you know February is 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 when you you kind of get a feel of, of your team and, and and get some of those young kids get their feet wet. And you know you know Texas in the Clearwater tournament last year, Texas was zero and five, and they and they made it all the way to the uh, championship series against Oklahoma in the College World Series. So you know regardless of the schedule. At the end of February, regardless of the record, you know, hopefully the fan fan base uh, doesn't get too excited or doesn't panic too much, depending on what the record is. Because you know, February is just a time to to kind of learn about your team, and then uh, you, you want to continue talking about the schedule. Because the fourth weekend, the first weekend of the first uh, the first weekend of March, it doesn't get much easier. As uh, <laughs> the Cajuns are gonna, gonna be on the road in Austin, Texas and they're going to play Texas twice, and we're going to play McNeese. We're going to play McNeese three times this year, once in the uh, in the Texas tournament and then a home-in-home, and, home. and then we'll also play Tennessee State and Princeton in that, in that Longhorn tournament. And then the fifth weekend of the season, uh, I think we have a, a game, a home game against McNeese midweek that week.
0: Yeah, that midweek I Wednesday, we- yep.
1: Yeah, and then we go to Gainesville uh, and play in the, uh, form, yeah, in the Florida <laughs> tournament. Oh. <laughs> where are going to play Rutgers twice, and Florida twice, and Mercer, and then uh, and that's all uh, before conference starts on March seventeenth. Uh, I think
0: we could go. Rangers I think we could go minutes. zero for twenty and still have the number one RPI in the country.
3: I'm not. I was about to say, like, apparently we don't like taking challenges or anything, you know. So we'll just play against the hardest teams in America, like an entire month and a half straight.
1: Well, anyone who thinks Jerry Glasgow's scared, is no. very mistaken. He, oh, just show him the schedule. Just yeah, just he'll he'll, <laughs> he'll play anyone anywhere. You know, uh, last year when we went we went to uh, we went to play Texas State in San Marcos. He he was trying to schedule a game on Monday and in, in Norman against Oklahoma. It didn't work out, but he wanted to leave uh, San Marcos and go up to uh, to Norman, Oklahoma, and play, you know, play Oklahoma after playing Texas State three games that weekend. You know, the man is not scared. He'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime.
3: Now, this is no look. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything. But this is the fan talking in me. But I. I... I'm pretty sure we're going to be competing for another conference title this year, but here's the thing. What's significant about this schedule in spite of how we do, uh, I would think that if we can find a way to just be above 500, maybe win 60% or 70% of those games going into conference play. And if we sweep through conference, like we've usually do, I would say the RPI would be generous enough. As long as those teams play up to their reputation, uh, I would say it, it would give us a, a really good chance to host if we take care of business those that, those first
0: four or five weeks. If you win 70% of that schedule, you're going to be in the top 10 in the country. You might be a national seed. I mean, <laughs> just by playing those teams.
1: Yeah, Jay, you know, looking at the schedule, um, I think the magic number... It's 43 or 44, you know, 43, 44 wins will, will put us in a position to host. Because if, you know, if we win, uh, if we do what we expect that we're going to do in our conference uh, and, and win 43 or 44 games, then you're going to win a lot uh, of the uh, games and non-conference and the necessary, you'll get the necessary wins. I think that'll get you to host the regional and then, you know, the coaches in our conference that picked us to win the conference, uh, uh, I don't know if I've ever – and I'm not real big on preseason all-conference to begin with, but I don't know how a team uh, can win a conference championship without an all-conference pitcher. But none of our pitchers were selected as preseason all-conference pitchers. So, anyway, I just had to throw that in there. I think that's actually and, better. Uh, yeah, A little, little chip on the shoulder,
0: know? I like that.
1: But, but yeah, the two, the two kids who were picked as, as all-conference pitchers – were Olivia Lackey from South Alabama and Jessica Mullins from Texas State. Those two kids were picked as the two uh, preseason all-conference pitchers. And uh, in, in their careers against the Cajuns, uh, Mellon, Mullins is a junior, Lackey is a sophomore. Uh, Lackey is 0-5 against the Cajuns, and Mullins is 2-5 and 5 against the Cajuns. So,
0: Bobby's you know, keeping that, that receipts you a little
1: bit. Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about uh, you know what I think about all preseason all conference. <laughs> Look,
3: hey, I'm gonna say this, uh, Bobby. If if we win 44 games with this schedule, it would be a travesty if we weren't a national seed. I mean, I'm looking at this schedule right now. I'm looking at these teams. You know, quite a few of these teams are are normal residents of of Oklahoma City come come June. So I would think that if we don't if we win at least 44 games. If they don't give us a national seed, it's obviously
0: rigged. Mr. Bob, let me ask you this. We seem to have a rivalry with Southern Miss and everything. What's their softball program like?
1: Their softball program um, in the past years, they've had a lot of change uh, turnover and coaches and, uh, but the last two or three years, they, they've seemed to, uh, uh, you know, they've had the same coach and uh, they seem to get, have been, you know, a little bit better than they've been, you know, the, the, the four or five years before that. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to be uh, somewhat competitive. Uh, you know, the teams in the conference that have been the most competitive in the last few years have been Texas state, South Alabama, and Troy, And then, you know, this year you you throw in James Madison, who who had a really rough year last year, and they lost a teammate. Lauren Bennett passed away – Lauren Burnett, uh, rather, passed away uh, in April. And they ended up uh, 21-21. and They canceled the rest of their season on April 24th. So they did not complete their season last year. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound – from that this year, but they've all, you know, they've been competitive. You know, they win the College World Series two years ago, and um, so uh, you know, I'm uh, looking at a, at a competitive conference this year, and uh, you know, uh, the Cajuns are going to host a conference tournament here in Lafayette, where my understanding is is that ten of the twelve teams are going to make the conference tournament. I've even heard. I'm not sure if this is uh, is the case or not, but I've heard that the Sun Belt is going to go to a a straight single elimination tournament this year where uh, on, on Wednesday uh, seven will play ten, eight will play nine, and then on Thursday you'll have the four quarterfinals, Friday the, four, the two semifinals, and then the championship game on Saturday, which – I really, you know, I like that format because in the past, um, if you could you could face a team in the championship game with one loss if he were undefeated and it was a one-game shot, you know. So uh, uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year, but I'm hearing that that, that may happen. And uh, personally, I like that format much better.
0: Yeah, any idea when we might find out for sure?
1: Uh no, I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna ask Coach Glasgow about that tomorrow. So,
0: all right, good. We'll uh, we'll get a scoop on that for everybody. I I I like the way the conference schedule lines up. You got you got Southern Miss, and regardless of how strong they are, I mean it's Southern Miss. People will show up to that game or or that series. You get them first in conference at at Lanson Park. Then you go to App State, and they've been an enigma a little bit. Uh, They've shown some flashes of. Being an improving program, but actually,
1: I think App State is a home series. If I'm not mistaken, oh, you're right,
0: you're right. I apologize. We're at Southern Miss and home, home uh, against App State. That's my fault. So we go to we go to Hattiesburg and then we have App State at home, which is good because that travel is brutal. Going up the mountain, I don't care who you play, where you play, it's it's a long road trip. So many things can go wrong. So anyway, I like the way that that lines up. And then you go to Harrisonburg for James Madison, and and, and you said, look, it's been a A very successful program over the years, Uh, last year notwithstanding, but it will be interesting. It's a prideful program. They're going to have to have some sort of a comeback year. Um, The Cajuns in Harrisonburg is going to be interesting. They're going to be up for that, that series. Then, you know, you got another midweek with McNeese. That's number three. Then you have South Alabama, one of those teams that you mentioned that have been one of the few competitive teams in the Sunbelt Conference uh, at home in Lampson. So. I know they didn't really have the season they expected to have last year. Do you think that they're going to reload this year with South Al?
1: Yeah, you know, South Al has is, is always been uh, a team that relies on pitching and defense, and they've got, you know, they got Olivia Lackey, who, by the way, is a Louisiana kid. She played uh, at Holden High School, and um, she's from Walker, Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, they depend on uh, – in the past, they've always depended on defense And pitching, and I'm sure that's going to be the case again this year. Becky Clark has been there forever. You know, she's an outstanding coach, and they're always going to be competitive. And, uh, you know, the way the conference is set up, conference schedule is set up, you play everybody on the west, which is five uh, conference series, and then you play three teams from the east. And this year uh, we, we get James Madison on the road, Coastal Carolina on the road, and App State at home. And that makes up the eight conference uh, series for the um the 2023 uh, season and uh you know we we, we got to keep that string of 73 conference series wins intact and uh hopefully by the end of this season we'll be at uh at 81
0: that's an underrated stat for all the uh all the 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 sp- the stat nerds out there, I'm one of them. I think that's an incredible number that we don't talk about enough. Uh, beginning of April, we we'll make the Texas swing. We go see Baylor and Texas A&M. I'm sure those programs will be on the upswing. Then we come home to Texas State, another one of those competitive Sun Belt uh, teams that you know historically have been one of the teams that you, you know, not necessarily not necessarily fear, but it's always usually a pretty good competition. All things considered. Uh, so I think that'll be fun, and I like that we get them back home in Lampson. Uh, any idea on Texas State and how how good they'll be?
1: They're gonna be good. You know they've got they've got a lot of returning players, and they've got Jessica Mullins in the uh, in the circle, who in my opinion is the best pitcher in the Sun Belt that doesn't wear a Raging Cages uniform. So they're gonna be very competitive. They always are. Ricky Woodard, who's been there for many years. Has uh, has gotten her program uh, in a position where they're competitive every year, and they they have a chance to be in a uh, a regional every year. So you're probably looking at a conference this year that you know may have a you know maybe a two or three team uh, uh, NCAA uh, with two or three teams in the, in in the tournament at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, something tells me that our pitching staff is going to have a little chip on the shoulder, so that'll be fun. I, I think we go in there and uh, at least competitive, right? We'll be competitive at home. Troy, go to Troy. That's another one of those programs you mentioned that have been competitive. Um, I don't know much about the program, I'll be honest with you, on the softball side. Maybe you can enlighten us a little bit. I don't know where they're going to be this year, uh, especially
1: um again a, a program that's, that's been coming on in the last few years they had a really good pitcher her last name was uh, uh i think her name was uh, leanne johnson or i know her last name was johnson and uh, i think she's graduated i'm not sure uh what they're going to have in the pitching circle they do have the preseason, uh, the preseason player of the year uh, a third baseman. I think her last name is is Horn, if I'm not mistaken. So, again, Troy on the road is always a uh, a very competitive a competitive series. Not a not an easy place to go and play. You know, most of the teams in the conference, uh, except for the Cajuns in Texas State and, and Troy and South Alabama, you you know, you're lucky if there's you know 50 uh, people in the stands, uh, not counting the Cajun fans, because you know the Cajun fans travel really well but Troy's one of those schools that 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 draw fairly well you know to their home games and i'm talking about 3 400 fans at their home games and uh, not an easy place to play by any means uh because the, you know they're competitive and and uh um, you know it's it's a road series
0: also Troy is one of those travel games that you just i hate traveling to troy that's just a personal thing i guess but Anyway, we go to Conway.
1: You're not, you're not in the minority.
0: No, oh, I really don't that like last, making that trip.
1: That last hour and a half of that <laughs> Troy trip is brutal.
0: It's brutal. Uh, especially coming home. It's the it's worst. Uh, anyway, go to Conway. We'll come back home for a midweek with La Tech. Uh, and then we'll finish out the conference schedule with ULM at home. And then we'll go to, uh, well, we host the conference tournament in Lafayette May 10th. So that's a little bit. Uh, you know, a little bit of an overview on the schedule. We didn't want to get too much into it because things evolve so much during the season. But just kind of something to be excited about, especially that out-of-conference. I mean, like we said, that is a brutal first two months, really. First first six to eight weeks is brutal. Uh, I feel like we're going to know exactly what we have by at least mid-March. I think that this year has one of those feels about it that you have the pieces in place, or at least you feel like you do. You have the pitching. You have a schedule that's going to get folks out to the ballpark, and not that they don't normally come, but I think there's an extra bit of excitement surrounding the softball program in 2023. Everything looks like it's lining up to be a very exciting season.
1: Uh, Yeah, Josh, you know, I agree with you, and I'm looking forward to it, and, um, you know, getting ready, getting getting started on Friday, and uh, you did mention, I think you mentioned the Louisiana Tech uh, game was a home game, and if I'm not mistaken, that's a road game, but... Last time we played Louisiana Tech in Ruston, uh, we left Ruston about three hours before the tornadoes hit. We we played Louisiana Tech that night, uh, actually, when the tornadoes hit Ruston, and uh, we were probably uh, driving into Lafayette when the tornadoes hit. So, yeah, so we get to go back to Ruston this year and, and see their, their rebuilt facility.
3: Uh, Now, I know, I know you um, being a color guy, you have to, you're on just about every broadcast, but every game, uh, let the folks know every game will be broadcasted. I know they're playing some musical chairs uh, this week because of the crisscrossing with the sports and all of the sports playing at one time in the first few weeks. Uh, So just let everybody know what, uh, what radio station or stations they can catch you on to listen to some Raging Cajun softball.
1: It's my understanding that most of the broadcasts are going to be on uh, 103.3 to go, simulcast on 1420. And uh, Jay Walker and I will be doing the uh, the Florida trip next week at Clearwater in Orlando. And uh, is going to be me and a, a play-by-play guy who is going to be announced actually tomorrow uh, who will be on every – Raging Cajun softball broadcast the rest of the season. It'll be he and I. And so, um, and the only games he's not going to do is going to be that Florida swing next week. So, so, so what you're saying is, is,
3: so you're breaking news to us. So you're telling us that we have a new play-by-play guy for, for Raging Cajun
1: softball. That is Correct. Unfortunately,
0: we're going to get scooped because this episode won't be released for a couple of days. So they're going to release it. We had the story first, so just want to put that on record. We're going to
3: say that right now. This is Sunday night, everybody.
0: This is Sunday night. Well, that's good. Bob, do you know know who it is? You don't have to tell us, but do you know they've already told you?
1: I do know who it is. But uh, my understanding is they're going to make uh, an announcement on Monday. Uh, Like you said, this is... This is being recorded on Sunday night, and so tomorrow uh, they're going to announce uh, who the play-by-play guy for softball is going to be for the 2023 season, and you guys know him very well. Give you a hint.
0: Oh, well, good. Well, you got a smile on your face, so that that means that's probably a good thing. (laughs)
1: It's a good pick. I'm looking looking forward to Yeah, I'm looking forward to working with him. Well, good. Mr. Bobby, really
0: appreciate you taking time to come on Raging Review, and even more so your your dedication and your work with Raging Cajun softball. Uh, people don't realize this because we're spoiled here, but not a ton of softball teams around the country have as much coverage and as much uh, professionalism uh, with, the, with regard to the folks that broadcast their games. So uh, sincerely want to thank you for supporting the program and all the things that you do for Raging Cajun softball.
1: And guys I want to thank y'all y'all do such a y'all do a really nice job you you guys are very professional and, and very uh, always uh, ready to go and prepared uh, and uh, this is one of the few podcasts that I that I listen to and watch because of uh, how professional and prepared you guys are and you know you, you guys have a lot of opinions sometimes but you always uh, but you'll always uh, you know very respectful in the way that y'all handle yourselves. And I really appreciate that as a, you know, as a Raging fan since 1973, maybe kind of telling you guys my age there, but, um, uh, you know, looking forward to the softball season and looking forward to uh, listening to some of you guys uh, in the future.
0: Mr. Bobby pulling rank on your asses right there. <laughs> All righty. Mr. Bobby Neveau. Color analyst for the Raging Cages softball team. Mr. Bobby, thank you for your time. I appreciate you very much. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you, guys.
1: Yes, sir. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right, Jerry.
3: That was fun. We always get good knowledge from Mr. Bobby. Hey,
1: man. The guy's the plugged in. has
3: been around a long time. He knows his stuff. We, 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 got, we, I mean, we got to get the knowledgeable
0: people here, right? Only the highest quality guests on Raging Radio. That's right. No question. No question about it. All right, everybody. Softball right around the corner. Baseball the week after. Spring sports are here. It's an exciting time to be a Raging Cajuns fan. Please rate, review, subscribe. Hit the YouTube channel. IG, Twitter, every other social media platform that's out there. I'm sure we're on there. Nick has us all over the place. Nick's like the uh, the social media manager now. so He's got us worldwide, man. Uh, we will be back in a couple of days to do baseball. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed the show. Mr. Bobby was great. Thanks to Sam Landry, the GAR law firm. Everybody involved. Nick, safe travels. We'll see you next week.
2: Ready or not, I'm coming hot.